Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeLion with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be going over the last few transfers that hit the window before it closed. We're going to be giving you our winners and losers for the summer transfer window. And go into talking about different topics that are interesting around the league. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Lucas, another transfer window is over. Uh, how did you feel about it? Are you happy? Are you depressed? I am ecstatic right now. We don't have to go through and refresh our Twitter feeds. We don't have to refresh uh, Reddit. Bro, we said this at the beginning of the transfer window, and I'm going to say this every single pod. We said not to refresh everything, not to get it too invested, but both of us did it because it was just an insane transfer window. Like, I have never seen this much drama in all my years of watching soccer in a transfer window like Barcelona's storyline you have Cristiano Ronaldo trying to leave you have Ajax whose players are just revolting you have Man City who are just doing great business like where did that come from Liverpool who are sucking you have the Serie A teams who are doing incredible business bruh like what was that transfer window (laughs) No, I mean, last summer was definitely the craziest in terms of, like, all the moves and stuff. But yeah. for, for this one, there were so many different robberies uh-huh. and, yeah, and hijacks and uh, so much with Barcelona that was going on that uh, people became fascinated with that whole storyline and ended up hating them and everything. So I just think it's it's very interesting how this all played out. United, like, doing... I don't know, some crazy stuff too, right? They hijack Malaysia. They uh, bid for De Jong, and De Jong decides he doesn't want to go. You know, then they uh, they say they're interested in Anthony, bid for him. He gets rejected. They wait till, like, the last, like, yeah. basically, and just, like, bid 30 million euros over what Ajax was originally asking for because it was so near the end that, I mean, there was so much crazy stuff going on, uh, in my opinion. And I think that... Overall, it was probably like just like an, a solid 8 out of 10. Really good. Uh, a lot of star power moving along, right? And uh, a lot of shocking stuff, right? But there was a lot of times where I felt like there was nothing going on throughout the days, right? Like there's a few stretches of like four or five days where nothing really big was happening. Yeah. Whereas last summer, it seemed like there was like a big deal every day, you know? And uh I don't know. I had a good time. I'm excited to see what happens in January now and wait till the uh, next transfer. January is going to be uh, a crazy one too because there's going to be teams that are trying to get players post World Cup after their stock has risen before mm-hmm. summer comes through. So yeah, it was just uh, an unreal transfer window. But I-, I can see what you're saying. Where last year it had a lot more uh, transfers, but I don't know. It's just, this summer was like it's just the drama. Like you saw one thing and then another thing happened, and then it was just uh, unbelievable. But before we get into the teams and rate all the teams that we thought had good transfer windows, bad transfer windows, let's talk through some of the final transfers that have occurred in the last week. So yesterday was transfer deadline day. There was a lot that happened. It was just an unreal transfer window, like uh, transfer deadline day. But also, it was boring, too. Like, yes, a lot of moves happened, but no player with that much star power. I would say the most notable is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 
going from Barcelona to Chelsea with Marcos Alonso going the other way. But I don't know. It's uh, it, it was just, other than that, it was meh. Like, yeah. yeah. It was definitely a uh, a slow deadline day, kind of. There was no crazy deals uh, that went on. There was attempted bids that got failed, too. So it'll be crazy to see what ends up happening uh, in, I don't know, later on in, the, in January, right, where Douglas Louise, as an example, is a free agent, and yeah. he ends up uh, being able to sign a contract in January. Where does he go? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Arsenal will end up going back for him again in January because it seemed like this was like a last minute injury kind of thing. So uh, I'm just really curious to see what ends up happening here with, you know, the teams that try to get these deals done across the line and it didn't end up working out. Um, But I don't know, Lucas, who do you think really set themselves apart this window? Who do you think had an impressive window? I mean, I, I think there's only one answer to this. Uh, it's Barcelona. Despite all the shenanigans that they've done, Barcelona really had the best window where they got the pieces that they really needed and they have really revamped their team. And you can see it from the results already that they look so strong. Lewandowski is crushing it in La Liga already. Their two center backs are just phenomenal now with Kunde and Orajo. Um, you have Marcus Alonso, who's essentially going to replace Jordi Alba. But, man, like, I, I think Barcelona had the best window by far. What do you think? No, I think they had a great window, too. Uh, I really liked, I really liked, you know, Man City's window. When you get someone like Holland uh, in the biggest need area, even if you sell uh, a lot of players off, you know, their net spend uh, in terms of transfer fees, right, was, I think... It ended on a positive or something like that, but but also uh, that doesn't include the salaries that they gave out and everything. So I think that they overall had a great window in terms of sales and uh, the players that they brought in. Right, they signed Alvarez in, on loan, or they signed him in January, loaned him back to River Plate, and then he came on. He's been very impressive as well. So I just think uh, I'll enjoy seeing them perform for for the rest of the season because it seems like whoever they play, they're just going to end up being favored by, you know, a goal or two in terms of the spread. Yeah. And I mean, you also have to give like a shout out to uh, two of the promoted, recently promoted English Premier League teams, Nottingham Forest and Fulham. Both teams have gone out of their way to get star players, like really, really strong players uh, onto their team to bolster their attack with, I think Nottingham Forest, I believe, signed 21 players, if that if that number is correct. I saw a, a stat recently, but they signed some quality players as well because they've gotten in uh, Jesse Lingard, Primo Freuler, uh, one of the star players for the Swiss national team, and Fulham have gone in and gotten, oh wait, sorry, Nico Williams as well, who's already stepped in and started for Nottingham Forest. While Fulham have just done quality business, uh, getting the players that they've needed. Andreas Pereira has already started to look really good in that attacking uh, attacking midfield role. And honestly, I think they're potentially going to get some other stars uh, into that role. 
But those two have really stood out in my eyes. No, I totally agree with you. They also signed uh, Emmanuel Dennis from Watford, which I really liked. Renan Lodi on loan from Atletico Madrid, top-tier signing. I mean, I love him as a left-back for Atletico, and I'm really shocked that he ended up going there. They have kind of changed my perspective on whether or not they'll, they'll get relegated. I know they signed a lot of players, and people are like, oh, can they make it work? I think in the long run, if they survive relegation this season, they they have uh, a lot of good bones here on yeah. this team to be able to stay in the Premier League uh, for a while, and they're a historically bigger club. So I, uh, I think that it'll take a while to gel, but I think that they'll be fine and they'll survive. Fulham, like you were saying, has completely changed my mind especially in the beginning of the season on, on whether or not they're going to get relegated just by their performances. I mean, Mitrovic, like himself, I mean, he's not a signing, right? But yeah, one always wondered if he could do in the Premier League, and he's been absolutely crushing it to start the season. So uh, uh, there's there was also two uh, deadline day transfers for them, too. Yeah. Where they signed William, and then they signed Dan James on loan. Yeah. Two players who immediately just slot into their uh, starting midfield. No, I and I totally agree with that. Right now they're they're eighth in the Premier League. They're playing Tottenham. Uh, I think they can get a result from Spurs if they if because they I've seen them play and they they haven't really underperformed in any game so far this season. So really impressed with them. Uh, Want to give another shout to PSG. Uh, PSG did a lot of great business. They sold a lot of dead weight or loaned out a lot of dead weight from them. Wijnaldum being an example, Paredes being an example. They brought in Vitinha. They they brought in uh, Renato Sanchez. They brought in you know like several other impressive players in the center of their midfield that totally changes that dynamic of that team in my opinion because the midfield is so hardworking now and so creative that it gives you know, Mbappe and Neymar and Messi, a lot more freedom and a lot more like lenience in tracking back, right? Whereas last season, their midfield was so bad, in my opinion, that uh, that those t- those three, Mbappe tracks back, but those three really like were magnified in their ability to not help out the midfield. And I don't think that'll, that we'll see that. And I mean, I think that they are uh, up there with Bayern in terms of their chance and Man City, their chances of winning the Champions League this year because of their window. Yeah, I agree. And they've already, Neymar has looked his best so far. Neymar in a World Cup year, I mean, you just know he's going to ball out. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, they they made some quality signings. They had Fabian Ruiz, Carlos Soler, Renato Sanchez, who was just uh, under the rug kind of transfer. Nobody really talked about that. If you remember, he had an absolute star Euros a few years ago, and now he went to Bayern. He sucked at Bayern. Then he went to Swansea City. He picked up his form. And then he went back to, uh, I believe, Spain, and then he's at PSG now. So I mean, it's a crazy like life that he's lived, and the way that it's turned out, he turned into a star pretty much at this moment. He is a solidified, solid center mid. No, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, and Fabian Ruiz and Carlos Soler, uh, them also just adding depth to that midfield, like you said before, so impressive to me. Um, really hate it because it, it just, uh, it's good business, really good business. And it looks like Luis Campos 
being the sporting director there has really improved the quality of that team from from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. I will say this, though. Their goalkeeping issue needs to get resolved, right? And uh, Donnarumma is not it. So I'll say that. Oh, really? Why? He's just not good. He's just overrated. Uh, he's like he's like an Italian David De Gea, uh, where he's yeah, a great shot stopper. De Gea sucks? He's not a good ball player. All right, that's fair. That's fair. So he's not a good ball player. And when you sign someone to be a starting goalkeeper and a team like that, uh, that plays the way that PSG is expected to play, you should not have someone that's that's like that, right, in that team. You're seeing that with the way Ten Hag wants to play right now, too. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, well, it's a good transition to Manchester United because I thought they had a good window, too. Yeah. But, uh, but how they went about their business, it was like kind of an uh, a D to me. But shambles, shambles. The board had, like, yes, it turned out into they got the quality of the players that they needed, but it was just absolute shambolic the way that they went about it. They could have gotten the players at a, significantly cheaper price range if they were on top of it and they listened to Ten Hag earlier. But um yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I totally I totally agree with that point. But but just going back to, to Donnarumma, it's just uh when you play in a in a possession style like that, it's similar to De Gea, right? You're seeing that Ten Hag is looking for like a different style keeper to push David De Gea, but also they they want someone that's able to play on the ball out of the back because it bails you out in a lot of instances. Yeah. And it, if you have a goalkeeper that's capable of playing long ball passes, right, then you can play short and then you can also throw it up over the top. Like we see, you know, Man City and we see Liverpool doing with Alisson and Ederson. So, I mean, that was the only the point that I was making. Uh, Keylor Navas is still the better keeper. Uh, I don't, there's no debate about it in my opinion. Uh, but that's all I wanted to say. So going to Manchester United, uh, really like the players that they signed, Lucas. Like, honestly, I thought your team had a great window because they signed, you know, Lissandro Martinez, who addresses a huge need for them. You don't have to start Maguire. You don't feel the pressure of starting Maguire every game. Tyler, uh, uh, Tyrell Malasia, he is, uh, he looks like to be a good left back with a lot of potential to also push Luke, Luke Shaw. Right now he's taking his job, which is very, very impressive to me. Um, Dalo is a decent right back. He's shown to be improved, right? Uh, yeah, he's definitely improved under Ten Hag so far. He has had a really, the last three games when we've been on the win streak, he has had a really strong performance every time. Uh, playing that attacking style that Ten Hag likes, while also having that defensive fire that uh, United have been missing. With Maguire, like, we never had that defensive fire. And then you see with Varane and Lissandro Martinez, those two have that that old-school defensive, like, fight. Like, they want to get into every challenge. They they celebrate uh, a goal kick like it's a, like it's a goal. So, uh, it's just, it, you love to see it. Um, but yeah, that back four has really solidified. And I agree with you about De Gea not being a good ball player, but you're not going to fix everything in one window. But they I got agree. the key pieces that they needed. Uh, they got Casemiro, who's going to slot right in. Right now, he hasn't, uh, Ten Hag has already said that he needs to adjust to the game, and you can see that he's adjusting very well so far. But he can't start right away. It's a new league. People have to get used to it. 
Whereas some of the other signings, uh, Christian Eriksen, certified starter immediately. He's able to dictate the game so well, which is just unbelievable that we have a player like that finally. Uh, but yeah, overall, it, it was a solid window. Again, the board was shambolic in how they approached it because they were knee-deep into trying to get uh, Frankie de Jong, and that impacted all the other transfers. But luckily, they just wound up paying for the for all the players that they needed. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, I mean, you could you could make the argument that your team got five, six starters this window, which which is what you needed. But going forward, that sets you up to maybe only need two to three starters in the following yeah. two windows, right? To to really compete for the quality that Manchester United expects to to compete for. You know, the trophies that they want. I think that, you know, Anthony signing really helps them out so much. And it was such an overpay, right? But I'm not going to totally destroy them for it because to get a right winger that's left-footed in this market is so difficult. Mm -hmm. A lot of teams know. And, you know, even to get a second player on that, that instance... You get Anthony, right? You can line him up out wide on the right. You could play Sancho on the left. You could play Bruno Fernandes through the middle. Then you have Erickson through the middle, whatever it may be, or Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo up top too, as well as the striker. I mean, that's that's your, in, in terms of your attacking quality, that's your best, you know, front five. And mm-hmm. then your back, your back five, uh, your back five with Casemiro being included as the defensive midfielder is very solid as well. So instantly. I think your starting lineup is very strong. It's just in terms of like the depth coming off the bench. Can the play, those players do the job that's needed? That'll remain to be seen. You know. Yeah. I, I think uh, Liverpool's business was okay. Not really that impressive to me. I, I I said this in the beginning of the summer too, or midsummer. I didn't think they had a good window to be honest. Uh, and you can see with their performances, Newcastle should have beat them. I. Uh, they yes they won nine nil to uh Bournemouth. Who's gonna get relegated? Who's gonna get relegated? Yes, they won that game nine nil. But every other game they've just been underwhelming. And even uh Jurgen Klopp has come out and said, Yeah, we need a midfielder, like and the midfielder that they get is Artemelo, who's been a backup in every single place that he's played, Barcelona. Juve, now he's going to go into Liverpool. He's not going to slot right into that starting 11. Like, it, they really didn't fill in the roles that they needed to. Sadio Mane leaving has hurt them a lot, and they've just gotten rid of a lot of players, a lot of depth, like uh, Minamino, who could help. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not sure how... I, I don't know if they're going to be as well as, uh, do as well as they did last year. No, I agree. I think they're definitely going to make the Champions League, whether or not they finish, you know, runners up or compete for the title again. I'm just not sure. I think um, just two two other shouts. I mean, we can. I'm I, I'm down to go on forever talking about these these clubs that improved and and did poorly. Um, really liked Arsenal's window. Uh, I thought they started off very strong early, and I thought they got rid of all the dead wheat in that team. There's no real player that I look at in their their lineup right now where I'm just like, oh, like that player doesn't belong uh, at Arsenal. Whereas before, right, I saw I saw 
Nicola Pepe. I saw, you know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Like, these players were not up to the standard that Arsenal has expected in the past, and that's why we saw them struggling over the course of the years. You get Zinchenko. Uh, you get Gabriel Jesus. You get Saliba back on loan. You sign Fabio Vieira. You sign Marquinhos. You know, that provides depth on the right wing and, and will probably play in Europa League to give Saka the breathers that he needs. I mean, there's just so much depth in that team now. And I feel like when they sub players on, uh, they are able to, you know, hold on to leads or change the course of the game. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe doesn't even start anymore. You know, he comes off as a sub. Uh, Eddie Nketiah, who was starting last year as a striker, comes off at, comes on as a sub, who's, and he's also been very impressive. But these players that were starting last year for Arsenal, Kieran Terry, Tierney, right? Yeah. Just got hurt, uh, and that's the only reason why Tierney's starting. Other than that, he was coming off the bench as well. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of depth with Arsenal now, and uh, it's very impressive. Had a great start to the season to show that. And, and we'll but they're going to win the league. Maybe, right? On pace to go 38 on 0. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I think uh, I think it's going to be fun to see them continue to play and continue to develop. The only thing that I would dock them for is the fact that they didn't get a center midfielder or a defensive midfielder at the deadline day, which they were trying for, right? So I can't fault them. I can't fault them for it. But, uh, you know, Thomas Party and uh, El Nani being out uh, really just leaves kind of Lakonga as that six. Uh, alongside Jaka. So if he gets hurt, then we're going to have to play academy players during our cup games and the Europa League in order to just survive the Premier League. So hopefully that'll adjust itself. But I really liked what they did this window too. No, 100%. I've been watching the Arsenal documentary All all or Nothing on uh, Amazon. And it's really intriguing to see how Mikel Arteta is like, he is all in. Like, he has his philosophy. He gives me that Pep Guardiola-esque mentality where it's my way, it's my way. And he is not afraid to do anything. Like, his saga with uh, Obama Yang last year, it was his way. And I, I respect that a lot. Like, and you can see that the players that he's bringing in are all buying in to his philosophy because he knows how to play. He's been the captain at Arsenal. He's been the captain at Everton. He's uh, played for the Spanish national team. He's been a fantastic player all year, uh, all his career. And now he's going to be a fantastic coach. He's had a great start. And it's crazy that literally 12 months ago to this day, everybody was saying Arteta out. Meanwhile, it's only it, it's only been like six months that he had been coaching. And he hasn't been able to get his players in. And then slowly, slowly, he's been able to get the uh, the players believing in his mindset, believing in themselves, and just getting them to the level that they are now, which Arsenal, it, I, I wouldn't say that they're going to win the league. Man City, it's still Man City's league, but Arsenal have looked like the old Arsenal as of late. And you can see how much everybody from the top to the bottom really support Mikel Arteta, uh, even with Kroenke's son. Like, he's the director managing all of Arsenal's day-to-day. He is so hell-bent on winning. Like, it's not just money for them, which you have to... If you're an Arsenal fan, highly recommend watching the whole documentary because it changes the way that you view your owners. 
So, yeah, I, this window for, for me, they did what they needed to do. They tried to get some more based off of the injuries, um, but they still have the depth. Like like you said, Odegaard got hurt, and Mill Smith-Rowe is going to slot right in. So they have that depth taken away. If Gabriel Jesus gets hurt, and Ketia is going to step right in. They still have Fabio Vieira. Uh, like, they really took that next step as a club this transfer window. No, yeah, I totally agree. And before we move on to uh, another team that I want to talk about, I think on paper this is the best Arsenal team from top to bottom since 07-08. Yeah. And like, literally, I don't, I don't really have to think about it too much to be like, okay, really, like, there's no real weakness in the starting 11, and the depth is really good. I know that injuries are kind of, uh, you know, making people a little scared, but I'm not really – even now with like four or five injuries uh, throughout the squad, I'm not really too worried about it. I mean, that's why the, that's what the depth's for. And if something happens like Liverpool where there's an injury crisis at center back or center midfielder in, in this case with one more injury, you just got to, you know, just tip your hat and just be like, it is what it is at that yeah. point because that rarely ever happens to teams. Yeah. Uh, but the best Arsenal team I've seen in like 13, 14 years for sure. For sure. I want to talk about Newcastle before maybe we look around the, the other leagues. Uh, loved what Newcastle did this window. You know, you signed Fa- Fabian, uh, well, you signed Sven Botman to, to play with Fabian Schar, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you get Alexander Isaac, and uh, I mean, just really impressed with that. You signed Nick Pope as your goalkeeper. Uh, I really liked a lot of the things that they did in that window to strengthen the middle of their whole team in the central of the park or center of the park. And I, uh, I really enjoyed seeing Isaac play against Liverpool uh, week. So really impressed with that signing as well. I, I can't disagree with you at all. Uh, Their transfers since January, when they had the takeover to now have been unbelievable. Karen Trippier, Bruno G, Alex Isak, uh, Nick Pope, they're all starters immediately. And they already have like some quality players in St. Maximum, uh, like who have really been quality. Um, yeah, I, I just, they look like a quality team now. And honestly, I mean, you can go down the list for every single Premier League team, except for maybe one or two that their team has gotten significantly better. Whereas, like, any other league, yes, there are, I would say, probably a few teams that have gotten better in all the other leagues, but across the league as a whole, every single team has gotten better, except for Leicester City and Bournemouth. But really, like, just, I don't know. Yeah, there's not much more to say about... Newcastle and then the rest of the Premier League, but it's it's really uh, intriguing to see uh, what new owners can really do for a club that was nearing the bottom of regulation uh, relegation in like two years ago. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Even like halfway through before the January window, I'm pretty sure they were bottom of the table too before yeah. the transfer window took uh, took place. Uh, and real quick before we move on with the the teams that that uh, we hated what they did because you kind of alluded to it. I just want to give a shout to some teams in Syria. Uh, I really liked what Atalanta did this window 
really like impressive business. People will always kind of wonder what are they doing selling some some of their players until the defensive midfielder that they signed like a year ago scores a hat trick and then everyone realizes, oh, I guess they didn't need that player. Anyway, you know, really impressed with that. Uh, loved what the Roma did. Easily the best transfer window in the Serie A, in my opinion. You know, you get the Bala uh, to, to get that player. I know when all of them got hurt, right, uh, with that leg fracture, which is just terrible luck for them. But at the time, I thought that was a brilliant signing as well. Loved what they did. And then Inter and Juventus, to me, also had great business. Um, Inter was able to hold on to a lot of key players while also making a signing uh, from Lazio for a Serbi. And I uh, really like that move for them. And then uh, Juventus signing Di Maria Paredes uh, to just help them in key spots. One And Bremer, right? The one thing I just don't understand with Juventus is I don't... I was very confused why they loaned Zakaria. Uh, that that was that was so unsure of a uh, move for, from my point of view. But I don't know. I guess they think that they have the depth and I think that they're expecting for... Paredes to play as a starter, but he's very injury prone. So I would have kept Zakaria at that point and rotated both of them because they're both injury prone. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But they still have McKenny who doesn't play and he can slot right in there. But I mean, Zakaria, I don't even know if Zakaria is going to play for Chelsea. Yes, they needed the midfielder, but man, like, is he going to slot right in? Is he going to play next to Jorginho? I don't know. Jorginho is going to leave at the end of this year, and I don't think Chelsea fans want to keep Jorginho anyway. So it will be uh, will be really interesting to see. I just I don't understand. I mean, I would have loved he would have been great for Arsenal to get on loan, uh, but it's very clear he wanted to go to Chelsea, and it's a step up for Zakaria to be quite honest from from Juventus to Chelsea in terms of the league. Yeah. Uh, do I think? I mean, do I think that he's better than Jorginho? I think that he makes you want to pull your hair out less than Jorginho, right? When he's healthy. I think he's he's definitely, like, less mistake-prone. I'll say that. And he makes good decisions. So I think that's what Tuchel was probably thinking when he signed him. Uh, but very interesting. I don't know. I think – do you have any other teams before we go into who we hated? No. Well, okay. Then yeah. I was going to ask, okay. Yeah. I'll ask my question after we go into the teams who we hated then. Okay. Um, because I have a question after. Yeah. You go into the first transfer, that transfer window that you hated. Oh my God. I mean, uh, what are Bournemouth doing, man? I mean, I uh, they just kind of like, we're just happy to be here. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to get relegated. Uh, I have them in, in some future parlays that I just I know that they're gonna hit, so I'm I'm happy with it. Really, really impressed by how incompetent they were. Um, just barely making any signings. I mean, like like 20 million pounds invested into the squad. Uh, it just doesn't seem like what they did makes any sense at all to me. And uh, I, if Scott Parker, I know he shouldn't have said it the way he said it. But if I was in his position, I would also be ticked off. And I don't know if he's really a great manager, right? But he got them promoted to the Premier League, right? So yeah. he has some merit. And he did the same thing for Fulham. Maybe he's not Premier League quality just yet, right? He's still super young. He's still learning. But at the same time, you don't back him uh, when it's very clear that your squad is just going to be outmatched in terms of quality. Every single game you play, 
even against Fulham now, they're going to, like, I don't see them winning this game. I could see them picking up, like, less points than Derby County at this point. Yeah. Uh, they did an 07-04. I mean, that's, that's going to be a stretch, right? But it's just their squad is just not good compared to other teams. Yeah, nothing nothing that I can disagree with. Um, I don't know why they sacked him because he lost to Arsenal, City, and Liverpool. And then after the fourth game, uh, like, you sack him. And, bro, it just doesn't make any sense. Those are the three most informed teams in the league. Yes, he lost 9-0 to Liverpool, but Liverpool on that day, they were just on fire. Uh, I don't get it whatsoever. Um, another team that I, I, I would say had a bad, bad, bad window. I think probably the worst window out of anybody was Leicester City. Mm-hmm. Totally. Leicester City, last second, they sold Fofana to Chelsea. He pretty much put out an Instagram story saying, oh, just let me go. Even though he claimed that it was fake, somebody hacked his account, whatever. Uh, claim Nick's doing the air quotes right now. Like he pretty much wanted to go. They sold uh, Schmeichel, like their captain for ten plus years. Uh, so now Danny Ward is their goalkeeper. One, they didn't replace their players well whatsoever. Danny Ward is their goalkeeper, and like, man, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I can go on and on about this transfer window for them. But what would have been worse is if they ended up selling James Madison to Newcastle, which was potentially going to happen. If that happened, I can see them getting relegated. I totally agree. I think their squad is too good not to get relegated, though. Um, I, even though they lost Fofana, right? They brought in a center back on uh, on like deadline day, Walt Feist. But I just uh, I'm not sure if, if he's even like a quality starter because I've never seen him play uh Mm -hmm. but they have good players you know throughout the team and I think that they'll they'll finish bottom half of the table right now just based on what I'm seeing with the team and the players that they have and uh yeah they just got to go into next year addressing a lot of their needs I don't know if Brendan Rodgers will even stay long I think he's just seems like he's just kind of begging to get fired right now so he can end up coaching Aston Villa after Gerard gets fired this weekend when they get smashed by Man City. Um, but that's that's where I'm I'm at with them. I totally agree with everything you said. Uh, ironically, though, uh, I'm gonna kind of get a hot take here. Okay. I, I kind of didn't like what Everton did this window either. Um, that's fair. Listen, I I could tell you I really liked the Onana signing. I thought there was a lot of potential there. Uh, really like that. I like I like the James Garner signing as well. Uh, and Guille is good, but these players are all kind of Garner's like box to box, but they're defensive midfielder oriented, right? Yeah. And you're I get it. You leaked a lot of goals. Uh, last year, but y- your only creative player right now is Anthony Gordon. I I am out on Calvert Lewin staying healthy throughout the whole season. Agreed. And I know that they signed Neil Mapai, but I he's not like he's not someone that's gonna make that big of a difference, especially if your only real creative player is Anthony Gordon. If Anthony Gordon gets hurt or he uh, is suspended or anything like that everything goes out the door for them. Uh, 
And I, I know that they've been playing a Wobie in the center of the midfield, and he's great at carrying the ball for them. And uh, he, he like, basically covers up his biggest weakness, which is scoring, by playing in the midfield. But at the same time, you know, you, you don't have real creativity here. And I just think that you're really going to struggle, especially when I'm not entirely in on Frank Lampard as a manager as well. So that's where I'm at with them. I don't think that they had a good window for, for what they needed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you took everything out of my mouth. There's nothing more that I can say about Everton. Um, but, I mean, selling Richarlison also was horrible for them because now he's rotting the bench on Spurs. He's not even starting for them. Uh, we thought it would be a good signing for Spurs, like given that he'll just slot right in. But Kluzevsky has been in top, top form. Uh, so Richarlison can't even get in. But, yeah, I, I can't say anything more about Everton. Uh, regarding other leagues, Nick, was there any uh, teams that you think had a really poor transfer window? To, in the top of my mind, I, I feel like all the other leagues – they improved their squads, at least for the top sides, top teams. Um, I'm not sure who you can say had a bad transfer window when it comes to, oh, I got one, I got one, I got one, I got one, I got one. All right. Uh, tell me, because I feel like I was going to go in that direction too. Go ahead. Ajax. Yes, I agree. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ajax, just because United keep getting all the... All right, it's not just because of that. Um, really, it's the players' player power with Anthony at the end pretty much saying, I don't want to train, I don't want to play until I get my transfer. He ended up getting his transfer. Other players saw that, and you can see Edson Alvarez, the center defensive mid, who wanted to go to Chelsea. He also didn't train because he was trying to push for a transfer as well. So... Yeah, it's uh, I. You got to feel bad for the manager, because it's his first time managing the team. It's really like he wants his side. He didn't want to sell any players, and he ended up selling Lissandro Martinez, uh, Anthony, Sebastian Aller, Gravenberg, like four players right there. And yeah, it's just uh, you got to feel for them. But it, they're still they're in the Dutch league, and they still expect to win. Uh, the whole league. So, I mean, it's not that yeah. bad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they they made a lot of money this window. In terms of the quality of the squad, clearly a huge difference. Um, there's a lot of players still that I look at, I'm like, oh, you're going to probably get sold next summer, right? Like Timber or, uh, or you know, like you mentioned before, Alvarez too, you know. Yeah. Th these players are going to get sold and then the players that are going to step in that they have young and developing, there's going to be other teams that are interested in them that are going to want to purchase them as well. So uh, I thought Ajax had a poor window. Real Sociedad losing uh, Alexander Isaac, not really having a standout player that's uh, you know going to replace him. Uh, I would have loved, if with their money, to, to go after De Thomas from Espanol, right? So... Um, that's that's where I was thinking in my head that it would have been ideal direction to go to for him, but uh, I just uh, I don't know what's gonna end up happening here um, with them. I think they'll end up finishing bottom half of the table because 
they don't really have anybody that can score for them and they, they don't have any real depth. Um, so that's another one. Bundesliga, I mean, I do want to I want to give a shout to because we didn't really stay too much or we didn't really get into it. But I really like the window that uh, Bayern Munich had. They had one of the best windows in all of football, in my opinion. Uh, best window I can remember them having in a long time, right? My only issue with them is they didn't get a real out-and-out striker, but it doesn't seem like that matters anyway to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like that they're playing really well and really in sync. So want to give a shout-out to them. Shout-out to Dortmund as well for getting those two center backs. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt had a horrible window in the Bundesliga. They lost Kostic. Uh, they, I mean, he is their, he was their best player in my opinion, and I feel like they're going to continue to struggle again. They struggled last season, even though they won the Europa League. Congrats on getting Champions League revenue, but you're probably going to end up finishing third or fourth and then finishing bottom half of the table again. So uh, didn't like what they did at Frankfurt either. You have to also give a shout out to uh, RB Leipzig, who did great business, not for just this window where they brought in Timo Werner, but bringing in Benjamin Sesko next year uh, at a really good fee. So he's a up and coming talent striker. He gives that uh, Erling Holland type player, um, that Erling Holland type style to the team where he's just going to bring goals. But yeah, uh, I think we covered off on a lot of a lot of the transfer windows, Nick. But the question that I had was, which team has the most pressure on them to succeed? Wow. Um, you mean in all five or Success is relative? Success is relative. So a team like Leeds or Newcastle, their success is going to be top ten. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So to me, Newcastle has like no pressure. Yeah. Um, because they're just playing with house money. We're just like, all right, let's see where we we end up and uh, and we'll go from there. I could tell you uh, from the Premier League, teams that have a lot of pressure, and then I'll talk about the other leagues too. Um, I think I think right now um, Manchester United potentially has a lot of pressure on them, right? Made a lot of big signings, overpaid for a couple of players. You have to finish at least in the Europa League this season, which I think they will, right? But you have to be close to getting Champions League, I think, for people, for fans to be happy, right? Lucas, like, I think your expectations right now are to get into the top four. And if you finish fifth... The goal is to get to the top four. The expectations is to finish fifth. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But but that's, that's the pressure, right? Like, can a club like Manchester United really... If things go wrong or if a couple of players get hurt, can they end up getting there, right? That's one thing. I think uh, Liverpool seems to have a lot of pressure on them, too. Um, Mm -hmm. Outside of the Premier League, uh, and Arsenal, obviously, too, you have to make Champions League this year, right? Like, have to. Same thing with Spurs. Both of these teams have to make it. Um, I I think you're missing out on one big team, which I think this team has the most pressure in the Premier League, and it's Chelsea. Okay. Because Chelsea Chelsea spent the most out of any team in the in the Premier League with the new owners, and they have Tuchel, who's been there for two and a half years now, or this is going to be his third season, and they're not performing well. They are tenth place at the moment, but they've just signed like so many players. They've signed Fofana, they signed Koulibaly, 
Raheem Sterling, Obama Yang now. Yeah, like, yeah. they have made so many signings. And with that comes a lot of pressure because are those signings going to perform well? Are they going to – I think if they don't finish in the top four or if they're not in the top four consistently by December, I think Tuchel is going to get sacked. But I, that team has the biggest pressure in my opinion. You're right. I agree with you. Uh, I was incorrect for sure for listing those teams before Chelsea. I think Chelsea definitely has the most pressure on them, and I agree with you. But at the same time, from my perspective, I bet on them to finish outside the top four, and I expect for that to be the case here this season. Um, I don't know, Lucas. Right now I have Arsenal and Man City Tottenham pretty much in, just based on what I've seen over the course of five games. And the fourth spot, I, I would give it to Liverpool tentatively, but they've kind of been the least impressive out of those four teams. So we'll see what happens there. Overall, team pressure has to be PSG to me, though. Yeah. Uh, you make all these great signings. You appoint a really good manager, in my opinion, who won the league with Lille. You uh, appoint Luis Campos, who is a five-star sporting director. And you make a lot of really good signings. Signings that fit compared to star signings like they signed a summer ago, where they had probably the greatest transfer window in terms of star players anyone has ever seen. But I think that uh, PSG has a lot of pressure to make it to at least the semifinals of the Champions League to win league on. They they talked about like literally going unbeaten in league on as a goal, and uh, we'll see what ends up happening there with that team. But really impressive squad right now, and I feel like a lot of pressure is on them. So we will see what happens there. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Uh, I mean, the obvious one also is Barcelona. Yep. So, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, Barcelona I think is has a lot of stuff to get into and uh figure out and they've been very impressive. So it seems like they're going to be a shoe in for the Champions League uh spots in La Liga and like I said before, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the league even though I don't want that to happen. Um I have a question for you though. I think mm-hmm. who so out of all the, the teams that are competing in the Champions League, before we move on, who do you think has had a transfer window that's changed your mind on going from being on like the fringe of going far to being like a legitimate contender, right? Like Bayern, PSG, Man City, aside from those teams, who, who of like the big five leagues do you think has taken a step up, if any, in terms of the Champions League and going far? I mean, you have to say Barcelona, uh, when they initially, they were just outside that, like outside, but now with the signings that they made, Kunde, uh, Lewandowski, Rafinha, like they still have quality players with Ansu Fati on the bench, Usman Dembele, uh, Gavi, Pedri, like I think the transfers that they've done have really taken them to the next level. And they're starting to get those older players out and bring those younger players in. So I think they for sure uh, should go far. I mean, you want to call out Man City, uh, Man City, PSG, and Bayern. As, those are the top three teams that are yeah. completely above but if I if I were to give you the opposite, I would say Liverpool was in that top four, and now they're out of that top four, in my opinion. Totally agree. Um, 
I, other than that, the teams in the Champions League that really took the next step, I think the biggest one is really just Barcelona. No, I agree with you. I was wondering if you thought the same thing that I did, and uh, I totally agree with that. I think Barcelona is a team that I think, like Real Madrid, right, can be taken as someone that's going to win probably this year, depending on you know how the draw plays out and everything. So uh, really interested to see the round of Champions League games that are coming up within the next couple of weeks to see who plays well. And uh, and then we go from there, right? So I'm really excited about that. Before we get into our bets, is there anything else that you would want to talk about? No, I think this was a great discussion, recapping the whole uh, transfer window, getting into the uh, league themselves that, I mean, yeah, honestly, I had a good time talking about all this because it really refreshed my memory of everything that happened. Um, but yeah, let's get into our bets. All right, cool. So just talking about last week, right? Uh, another successful week of picks for us. We go four of six overall. Um, just looking to the the bets that we ended up placing, right? We had, um, and this is over the weekend, right? Jesus, anytime goal scorer, at least tied, no bet. We're the only two that didn't hit. We hit on Kane, anytime goal scorer. We hit on the West Ham money line. At plus 270 odds, I believe, we hit on Monchin Gladbach double chance at plus 400. And then we also hit on the Liverpool minus two spread as well. I mean, we hit on the Liverpool spread and we could have hit it another four times because they smashed them 9 nothing. So yeah, uh, yeah. just wanted to say that. Uh, so great weekend for us overall uh, for the uh, start of the season. We are 13 of 18. So really successful start. Uh, glad we did not give our picks at midweek because that was a rough stretch for us. So, yes. so Lucas and I uh, went a combined over six midweek, which doesn't count obviously towards our bets. A lot of bad luck that ended up happening. We missed a corner bet by one corner. Uh, we had bet the Lazio money line and the Crystal Palace money line to win, only to have them uh, lose out in a bad beat and within the last like two minutes of the game on both sides. So. Really rough, uh, really rough on those. Uh, but like, well, good for us, Lucas. Those don't count, and uh, we're gonna redeem ourselves this weekend and make it all back. So I have total confidence in that. I agree. Uh, all right. So I think I think previous to this pod, right before we recorded it, we talked about us being aligned on two bets, um, and then you having an additional two bets. So yep. why don't you give why don't you give one of the bets that we have uh, together that we both agree on. So after Bayern uh, tied Gladbach last week, since we said that would happen, Bayern always comes back hard, and they just smash the next team that they face. And with that, we are betting Bayern spread minus one and a half at minus 115. I'm looking at DraftKings odds. I don't know if the odds are different in FanDuel, Nick, but that is what we recommend doing this week. That's a smash play. Yeah, they beat uh, they beat Victoria Cone five nothing at midweek in the Pokal. Union Berlin they've always beaten every single time. So uh, in terms of if you're looking at like the the previous matches that they played, they they always cleared that spread of minus one. I know Union Berlin is very improved and they're second in the table. I just think that's a good value bet right there. I actually got it at FanDuel earlier in the week at plus one hundred. So really good uh, in my opinion to lock that one in, and that was on FanDuel. Um, I think our second bet that we agree on is the Man City spread against Aston Villa, right? Yeah. So 
so Man City's uh, Man City's also it was plus ten when I bet it. It may have changed since then, but it was Man City by minus one against Aston Villa. Man City and Aston Villa have played a lot of tight games, but I just feel like Aston Villa is in such disarray, and they don't really play with any wingers besides Bailey. And I think that Man City is a totally different team since Holland joined them, and I expect them to at least beat Aston Villa by a couple of goals and to uh, result in Gerrard getting sacked because he didn't get sacked after uh, Villa lost to Arsenal. So I think that this will kind of just have the bottom come out from him this weekend. So Man City spread against Aston Villa is the other bet that we both agreed on. And Lucas, now you have two different bets. I, I was done uh, because all of my bankrolls invested in those two bets for the weekend due to the tough losses that I faced midweek. So uh, what are the two other bets that you have for us? So one is actually going back to that Bayern game. And alongside Bayern just scoring mad goals, this player has been in fine form for them. And that is Sadio Mane. I am suggesting to do, and I already did this, Sadio Mane, anytime goal scorer at minus 110. Those odds are, like, unbelievable. If you remember Holland uh, and Lewandowski's odds when they were in the Bundesliga, they were, like, minus 400 to score one goal, minus 500 to score one goal. Sadio Mane, he's not a striker like them, but he plays striker for Bayern Munich. So he's going to get those same chances. And I think he has a great chance to uh, score this week. Uh, I, I do think that's a solid bet, too, because considering the fact that he scored five and six for them in professional appearances. So it's very likely that he'll score uh, against them. I know Union has been very impressive, but at the same time, uh, Bayern Munich has been way more impressive than that. So yeah. what's the other one? Brighton Moneyline minus 115 versus Leicester City. Oh, my God. Wow. OK. Yeah, so Leicester City have just been in disarray, and Brighton is at home. They've, they're just coming off a loss, and Graham Potter is a fantastic manager who will pick the team up after a game like that. So Brighton money line versus Leicester City, I think that's a shoe-in. Uh, yeah, I, nothing more to say about that. He, he, Graham Potter is going to out-tactics uh, Brendan Rodgers. Right, and Brian also lost, I think, uh, midweek, didn't they? As yeah, exactly. So they're coming off a loss right now. Okay. And the, the other thing that I wanted to check for them, uh, just good information to have, right? They play Sunday? I, they do? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so their last, uh, their last like, three meetings, Brian has won. They, uh, they drew in the League Cup win and went to t- penalties, and then they drew again against uh, Leicester you know, in round 23 of last season, that's in January. So a lot of time has passed since then. And I, I, I kind of agree with you, Lucas. I feel like, uh, I feel like it could be possible that Brian has it. I personally don't, I personally would not bet this though, because Leicester, Leicester is just so desperate right now for a win. And that's what scares me sometimes is when teams are desperate and they have to win, you know, like when I bet the Man United double chance against Liverpool, I felt that Manchester United needed that game and that they were so desperate to get that game. And that's what made me comfortable betting the double chance at plus odds. So uh, I would be wary of that. But at the same time, Brighton has been very impressive this yeah. season. So really, really interesting value bet there. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's our bets for the week. We'll roll with those four. We'll see what happens. Uh, Hopefully the good stretch continues for these picks. But 
before we head out, uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? Nah, we covered off on everything, but uh, it's fast. It is coming fast this season. We're, we've got midweek games. We've got Champions League coming up. We've got Europa League coming up. Weekend games. As always, you just have to enjoy them, Techers, everybody. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll catch you guys next week.